Recipe Club is live on Major Domo Discord. Cook along with us. Send us your photos to get featured on the Recipe Club Instagram and win Major Domo Gold. Send in your recipes so I can see how much better my recipe is than your recipe. Are you ready for this, though? They're going to post theirs before our episode runs. If anything bears any resemblance, we're going to be accused of copying the Discorders. No, we're telling them right now. That's not possible. (laughs) Or we're time travelers. (laughs) We're also releasing the recipes a week ahead of time so you can cook along with the wedgies. And I've already read on Discord all the complaints. Guess what? Now you know. Karma's a bitch. (laughs) Um, If you haven't signed up for Discord... Uh, find somebody that is computer literate that can send you, direct you to majordomomedia.com. It genuinely is a great place to learn. We like to say, live your life a little bit more deliciously about where to eat, what to eat, recipes, cultural things. Um, And if you don't care about any of those things and you support cultural revolutions, but you like capitalism, we have great discount codes. (laughs) I was like, where are you going with this? They've got great discount codes for any day. I think, I don't know if 20% is still there. Probably not by the time I read this, but there's still a discount. Comment to your coffee. Uh, We drink that quite a bit, except that Chris now drinks this. I had a comment here this very morning. Yeah, but you drink this fancy beverage now. Hoppy fizzy tea. Yeah. When I was like, I go get them. They're like, you you know, they gave it to me. A sidecar of it because I think they were like, Christian drinks all the time. You're also going to like it. This is so embarrassing. Please. <laughs> I was like, how much does he drink of this? <laughs> okay. This, is, and, this uh, is my nightmare. People talking about what I eat behind my back is my nightmare. Um, <laughs> and athletic brewing, um, it's a great beverage, not just a great non-alcoholic beer. And I have a, a release coming out this summer that is very, very good. Good on ice. Tasted it. All beer is good on ice except for Guinness. <laughs> I fully support that. Um, Anyway, uh, we'll get on to the show. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. In some ways, I feel like we're documenting our own stupidity, our day-to-day stupidity. We had our morning meeting today, and Christopher Yang... Detail went in detail about how dumb he was. Can you explain how dumb you are? Oh <laughs> it's hard to explain how dumb I am, but so if you were listening to the last episode of the show, we did a <laughs> we are absolutely documenting our stupidity. In the last episode, of the show, we we literally ordered takeout for my family for dinner. And we ordered Thai food from Love to Eat Thai. And Dave Dave highlighted his favorite move, or one of his favorite moves is to order larb and green papaya salad. And mix the two together into a wonderful porky delight. I had this idea in my head last night with the leftovers from our food. I was like, oh, lunch is set. This is going to be my healthy lunch for tomorrow. I'm going to get a Tupperware or a, a glass Tupperware. I'm going to put my my uh, green papaya in there and my larb. And it's going to be amazing. I was literally looking forward to this all night long. I was looking forward to lunch all night long. I went outside. Cut to the chase. What did you do? I I was putting Keith in the the car seat, and we pulled out of the driveway, and Keith said, what was that? (laughs) What that was was my lunch sliding off the roof of my car and uh, splattering larb and green papaya salad all over my goddamn driveway. So I lost my lunch. But I wanted to ask you, 
I think no, no joke. Between seventy-five and ninety percent of the stuff I put on top of my car comes sliding off the top of the. Car. I don't have that problem. I've never really had that problem. I've never done a Chevy Chase National Lampoon's vacation, <laughs> drag my dog in the back. You know, um, that's never been my problem. I have other problems. That's thank God never been one of my problems. Do you put stuff on the roof of your car? No, I throw away phones like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> but do you ever put something on the roof of the car? Just no. as a common practice. So you don't. You would drop it if you did this. No. What I do is I break iPads by trying to put everything under my arms. Okay? You told me this the other day. That's why I have a new iPad. <laughs> you try to one-hand iPad plus child, which is a, a... That's what I do. Easy mistake. Everyone, I, I, I overestimate my ability of circumference to hold shit in under my arms. Well, like I'm a mutant. I have superpowers and I don't. Well, the problem is the, the circumference of the child continues to increase. And so you can't, you can't adjust. Something's got to go. <laughs> Um, you were speaking of papaya salad. How many people you think that are listening have tasted a great papaya salad? And I want to say papaya, we're talking about Thai papaya salad. And I don't know the Thai name. Do you know? Sometime. There you go. Green papaya, not the, not the orange musky stink fruit (laughs) with the alien seeds. Green papaya salad. What percentage of our audience has tasted a great version? 1%. 1%. Papaya, <laughs> I, this is an interesting thing because sumtum, a papaya salad, is one of the very rare foods. Very, 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 very rare. And I can't even think of many others that are in this category where the worst version of that is still fucking awesome. And it has a superpower as well. As you were just talking about, you were eating the leftovers. It may be the only salad I know where you can sandbag a day in advance. Mm-hmm. Like, it it should be in a pantheon of greatest food items of all time. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's, it, it maybe it does. I don't think it's something that continues to get better no. every day, but it's just as fucking good day two. More marinated, it's, it's delicious, it's crunchy. And here's the thing, it's not bad for you. These are all the reasons I was looking yeah. forward to this goddamn lunch <laughs> so, today. like, Papaya salad, if you've never had it, you should. I don't know if the nutrition on it, but like it's not bad for you. It's very light. There's no fat in it. Mm-hmm. Unless the, it's, still, it's also one of those very few salads where an all vegetable version is just as good. Mm-hmm. Like if you had a chicken tenders to this, it would actually make it less delicious. Right? Whereas <laughs> any other green salad has to have chicken tenders on it right. for it to be delicious. Right. Right. A, a fully vegetarian, no fish sauce, no dried shrimp version, not not great. But this is a pretty damn good salad. Yeah, I mean, it's way. like Jokic. It's, it's like a fucking, like... It's, 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 in, it's, it's, it's it, does, it does it all. It just raises the game on everybody. Yeah, it's a, it's a high floor, high ceiling kind of situation. That's why I say, like, you can't have a Thai order without papaya salad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You just it's, can't. The papaya salad is is sort of the shibboleth of a Thai order. I think. What would you say? The, the shibboleth. shibboleth. What the fuck is that? It's it's like how you prove your faith. It's, it's from the Bible. I don't know religion that. guy. I didn't. I did not focus on. <laughs> where Judaism. is it from in the Bible? I don't know where it's, it's from in the Bible. Anyway, yeah. it's it's the test, right? If you order, Thai, it's because it's on. It's on 
almost every time. Isn't it in the Last Crusade? <laughs> Indiana Jones Last Crusades? <laughs> the shibboleth is that is that last uh, when the when the saw swoops down and Indy has to duck, you know, the Penitent Man shall pass. It's uh, We did it. We we finally got one in. It's been a while. <laughs> we got an indie reference. It's been a long time. Anyway, it's it's truly the test of a good tie order. And uh before we move on, I I do have to on air apologize to my wife because I was in a rush. And I just left papaya salad and pork all over the driveway. I promise I will clean that up later, Jamie. Bro. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Bro. This is the the sleeping on the couch thing, and just I know. it's not been a good Jamie. Run, Chris. Just so you know, this is if you're listening on Spotify, you can actually now watch this on video. So, Jamie, <laughs> make sure you're watching on spot, uh, listening on Spotify, and you open up the Spotify app, and you will rewind to see his face, and he that's fucking guy was giggling. <laughs> Tape don't lie. Did I giggle? Fuck. Tape don't lie, Jamie. I hate this new video feature. <laughs> Wonderful feature. Wonderful feature. Sign up for Spotify. Wonderful also, feature. Also, again, stop what you're doing. Open your Spotify app and give us five stars. Yeah, right now. If we don't get 50,000, I'm going to say 50,000 again. If we don't get 50,000 by the end of the year, we may do something to you now. We're going to chop one inch off you know wait, at a time. Wait, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> He's going to lose one inch. Give us five stars. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we're going to do a debate club today. We're going to talk about restaurants, food, and IP and trademark. It's a discussion that I think I've had for many years. Um, and that's going to take a good portion of this podcast. So we'll just get on to that. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. All right, guys. I've complained for a long time, knowing full well that it's most likely not to happen. In food, you're not allowed to trademark dishes. And I understand that. And I think like common law, for example, if I wanted to trademark a word, I can't trademark uh, Dave, mm-hmm. you know, but if I do like some ridiculous, you know, Chris Yang loves Dave, something like that, <laughs> Back, you know, right. that's my trademark. Something sure. that is uniquely to ours. You, so you have that. You, uh, I know there's a lot of conversations, both on our Discord channel and historically with people in the industry about giving credit to where credit is due and or how do you protect your IP? And you really can't, especially social media, things go lightning fast. Yeah, people might call you out on it, but there's nothing to really prevent anybody from 
taking it. And in culture, I can only think of two places where rampant theft happens, fashion and food. But I think, again, without being an expert on this, Zara or H&M or one of these other um, fashion, God, uh, God. These fast fashion houses. This fast fashion. There's a bunch of them. I can't remember the name of it. Um, where I heard a story where they were like producing the garments on the plane from Asia. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how fast it's going. That whole ecosystem, I think, works sort of to some degree, but maybe not. Um, it definitely isn't working in food, right? And so I'll give you an example. If that, we bring up Dominic Ansel so much of the Cronut fame. If Hostess of Hostess Cookies and Twinkies and et cetera, Ho-Ho's tr- made the Cronut, they would have been able to trademark it. Mm-hmm. And they would have also been able to trademark a, vari- trademark a variety of flavors that would go with the Cronut. And it would be theirs, and you can do it. There'd be a bunch of knockoffs, imitations for sure. But like, if you wanted to use it, I think you should be able to pay royalties to some degree. There are a lot of people that say, oh, you can't do that. How is that going to work? Well, I think it works quite well in the music industry. It's not a perfect system. But if I want to play a song that's sung by someone else, I have to give a certain percentage that's negotiated back to that original singer, band, songwriter. So there's two ways of revenue for music, right? Songwriting. And the actual singing of the, or execution of the song. So like, again, hardly a perfect system in music. But isn't there something that we could take for food? So I'm pro that because not everything can be copyrighted. Like, you can't figure out how to make a chocolate chip cookie copyright. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. It's just like common. It's too common. Public domain. Public domain. But if I made a new chocolate chip cookie with a new flour, with a new chocolate, et cetera, et cetera, that is unique and different and is mine, why shouldn't I be able to copyright that? And I don't think that it would uh, kill innovation. All it's going to do is keep a checklist and almost like a HACCP plan, a hazard analysis control point plan, where every step of the way where that food gets copied, you know exactly how it's happening because there's a trail along the way. Again, how you follow that, I'm not sure exactly because food's so ephemeral, but there are probably a level of dishes that you should be able to trademark. And I don't know why that would prevent people from innovating. So, this is this is a I think this is a super relevant conversation in the news. You've got Ed Sheeran, you know, just was acquitted, quote unquote, of of borrowing, stealing from from Marvin Gaye. I think this is this is uh, a perfect example of how this is actually playing out in the music industry. I think we're going to debate it a little bit. You know, has volunteered to take the con, the anti side on this. But Chang, what is the Try to try to summarize for us, like what is the parameters of the argument here? Because we're you know there's there's a whole world of 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 things we could be talking about here. What are you talking about specifically? What kind of restaurants and what kind of stuff do you think should be able to be copyrighted? I'll, I'll give you an example too. Alex Dupac, who's opening up another restaurant. I'm sorry, uh, I can't remember the name. 
God. It'll, be, it'll be wonderful. It's not Empeon, but he opened a restaurant about uh, like uh, American classics and stuff or European classics. Um, Alex Dupac, before he ran Savory Restaurants, was one of the most creative pastry chefs. Misha. Misha. He opened up Misha recently. We love Stupak. I can't believe he's... We, we should get him on. He's a, he's a great misanthrope too. We, we love that shit. Um, he was a pastry chef at Alinea, especially when Alinea was doing remarkable techniques. Not that Alinea is not doing it, to, it like now, but it's in a, I think in a different way because Stupak was like the engine of a lot of ideas. And I saw that when he became the pastry chef at WD50, Wiley Dufresne's restaurant that we talk about a lot. Sam Mason created amazing techniques, but Alex's techniques were very different than anyone else. So very technique driven, very much like an Albert Adria. He created this thing where you can make soft chocolate and you can bend it hmm. like a knot. That technique was original. And I know for fucking certain, no one's ever done that before. It is now on almost every dessert menu. It's like some version, I don't say every, but every time I see it, I'm always like, where it's a wavy thing of panna cotta, pliable, pliable, soft thing that looks like a squiggly line. Mm -hmm. Every time I see that, I think Alex Dupac should be getting some royalties for that. Mm -hmm. Because if that was a song, if that was a software program, if that was literature, anything, he would be getting royalties. And I think there's got to be some kind of threshold where you you are able to get these trademark rights. It's genuinely new. It was brand, breath like breakthrough stuff in, as far as I was concerned. And now it's sort of commonplace. Why wouldn't you? And here's the thing. It's been open, open. Uh, there's been no trademark on that. And I haven't seen any innovation mm-hmm. and desserts. Mm-hmm. To that degree. Yeah. Right? There's been, to the, in pastry, there, I don't mean to be, to say this like in a mean way. What Stupak and that year of those years of desserts that were being made, the the late aughts around the world, there were more breakthroughs and not just in pastry, on savory food as well, than the past 10 years combined, right? So it's not a knock on anyone today. Just shit was being made at a rapid clip and in a way that no one had done before. Here's here's one one more question before I let you know take the the opposition side. Do you think that Stupak himself should be able to quote unquote publish and copyright that technique, or is that technique copyrighted by the restaurant? Should be Stupak. It should be Stupak. But here's the thing. That's the singer-songwriter. Maybe it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe where you execute is like the actual band and Stupak's getting credit as a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it requires some system by which this stuff is, quote-unquote, published in the way that an album or a book or anything is released in a formal fashion. And then there is a ability to trace it back, copyright, and benefit financially and if if one so desires financially and or at least on the credit level for ideas that are invented so we're talking about independent individuals and restaurants having the ability to publish and copyright their innovations and techniques and it will prevent theft 
They will. So, you know. <laughs> what do you have to say? What are the, what is the, and, and listen, we, you know, you know, has volunteered to take this on. I don't know actually where you stand personally on this issue, but you're going to represent the anti side. I imagine you're sympathetic to this, but make the argument against this because this is actually already happening on our Discord to some degree. Yeah. And I think, um, if I'm just going to clown what the Discord said, like they're, they're concerned that it's going to stifle innovation. You know, it's going to be like the license holders will have like, will become the haves and the ones or the copyright holders will become the haves and the ones who do not are the have nots. And then you just kind of like, you know, you either have to pay a licensing fee or, or all those things. Like it's the same way a cover band, you know, would have to pay to ASCAP or, or BMI uh, to perform in public and, you know, receive ticket, you know, revenue from that. Some of that money is going to be diverted to the band that you, you covered. Right. And so, so the argument, your argument is that we're going to put cover bands out of business. <laughs> no, but like part of, and my, my big beef with this idea is that it kind of reduces accessibility because part of like the magic of a recipe recipe club, for example, is that anyone can join in, anyone can submit, anyone can, we just do it all around a recipe, you know, and it creates a openness of like, Hey, it's not clowning. You can kind of like actually try it yourself, you know, like do it yourself. And that feeling of being part of a community, part of like the cooking community at large and just being like, well, I added pepper here and I added this. And so like, you know, it just seems a little bit less like offensive, if that makes sense, you know, because like food has this like communal feeling of like, hey, everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to cook to some degree um, or or eat out. And so, you know, there's. So why don't we get rid of trademarks in every category? <laughs> <laughs> this like the, the kumbaya method, <laughs> you know? Let's start, let's let's address one point at a time here. Right. So, Chang, I think the argument, whether it's Yunos or not, is trademarking techniques, copywriting them, will stifle further innovation because, I mean, fill in the blank there, like, because... I mean, it's just a natural capitalistic order of things, right? Like, you should be getting, if you hold the rights, which is why I, I kind of argue with the word theft there, because it's not technically theft if it's not if it doesn't actually belong to someone legally, right? So, like, if we're using the word theft in a legal sense, it's not technically theft. You know, it's it's shared. It's open. So, like... This is Will Hunting defending himself. Yeah. I know. <laughs> An Ebert. <laughs> What'd you say? So, what do you what do you think about this Ayn Randian argument that uh, copyright <laughs> will, will stifle innovation? I always... I, I just disagree, really. I, and I genuinely do. And also, like, again, how much innovation are we seeing regardless, Right. It doesn't even matter right now. Most people aren't innovating at the clip that they wore uh, previously. Um, and that could just because there's very few good ideas left to, to mine and to, to, to explore. I don't know. But I think it's simply because historically there's never been money in food. And if you follow the money, people protect their shit. And because people... They have been able to like figure out that there's no money. People have never figure out like how to protect that stuff. Like it just doesn't make any sense logically for me why I can trademark the intellectual property of food, but it has to be at scale. But I can't do it for certain things that are maybe not at scale, but may could could become scale. Right? It can only become trademarkable when I be, it becomes nationally something that you could distribute. I, I don't quite understand that. And in terms of the idea of that, that money angle, 
there's something about it that I can't quite articulate where because there are no trademarks in food and because there are like the ability to a few, a select few can control it right at will. I don't like it when a magazine or newspaper can just take based on any newspaper, like it's, it's common domain, right? It's like, I can take any chef's recipe and publish it. Well, I think the, I think the argument you're making is that without absent, the presence of copyright and protection over IP, the person or entity that stands to profit is whoever has the biggest mouth and biggest uh, reach. I don't have the ability to charge, you know, four ninety nine a month for subscribers, right? Great. They're giving me reach, but they're the ones that are making the money off it. Right. They're literally profiting off of people's work. Right. Yes, they're giving footnote, but like give them the money too then. And the only way to do that is if you're ha- you have to pay certain royalties. So maybe it's like if you're going to publish a recipe, maybe that's the only way. Then certain mm-hmm. amount of money should go back to the chef or the creator of it. Um, that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. On the on the, I'll let you go in a second. You know, but on the innovation side, like for for me, <laughs> I think they're they're interrelated. I think it's too easy to just do something that somebody else did and package it differently. Right now, I think that stifles innovation. The fact that I could actually, you know, if Dave was if Dave is a bad example, if I met a small chef somewhere and I was an, and I was another chef who was more telegenic and better at marketing and just had a different audience. I could just take whatever idea and just do it myself and make money, maybe more money, depending on who I am, how telegenic I am, how good I am at marketing. <laughs> it, it, there's zero incentive for me to innovate if I can just take instead. I think that like there, this, it really is. I'm not trying to make you into an Ayn Rand fountainhead motherfucker here, but because he is, <laughs> but like, that idea is insane. It's just it it just that there are only so many geniuses and they should be allowed to run rampant. Like that's the opposite. Like the the opposite of the intended effect was happening when you don't protect the smaller ideas. Absolutely, and I think it's important to t- kind of distinguish between like what's a trademark and a copyright. Also, the trademark obviously is something that you register with the USPTO. Um, it, it needs just needs to be in business. You know, like for the selected categories that you've you've uh, are going to be trading in, right? So. Uh, when you have like a copyright, you know, that's like the words coming out of my mouth right now are being copyrighted because we're producing something that is creative and that has like kind of editorial, some editorial <laughs> behind it, right? But uh, you can't do that for recipes because it's a list. They, they're saying that they, this is the law. It's a list of ingredients and instructions that you can follow can't be copyrighted. Um, and that's... To but, me, but everyone has sourced to the same sort of computer code, right? And they can make any kind of combination that creates a different program that they can also copyright. Right. So if there's an original way, I'm, I'm not saying like, again, just a plain old fucking chocolate cake. You know what I mean? Like, no. But if I go back to the late 70s and if I go to maybe like, I think also like 83, there were two chefs that were making the same kind of dish but done in two different ways. And I'm talking about the molten lava chocolate cake. Bra had it with ganache, a frozen ganache center. And Jean-Georges did it famously. He's just sort of like undercooked with a specific kind of ratio of batter. 
That has now penetrated every fucking goddamn restaurant menu the world over. Really, a gooey, molten, undercooked chocolate cake. Bras was very different. And I think a lot more of a pain in the ass to make. Right? Mm-hmm. You, they should have been able to protect that recipe. So I think this speaks to... Because it's a very new, very unique way of making something that is now commonplace. And I think being able to protect that, who knows? We're talking about benefiting... People want to like say they... Everyone talks about, hey, I want to make sure that people get paid more sustainable. It's like, well, there are ways we are not fucking around with to generate more income for people. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's refine this. When you say like they should be protected or there should be copyright for these recipes and ideas, do you mean specifically for profit? Home cook, can I just try to make a Michelle Bra flourless molten For the same cake? reason I can play Ed Sheeran, which I'd never do <laughs> at home. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. You're just sitting there singing uh, it. I know you are. I don't. <laughs> I know. I know you tried to make money on no, it. No, it's it's all black pink these days. <laughs> so, I mean, but to your point, though, those two chefs you just named, Michel Bra and Jean-Georges, you know, this is a little bit of what you're saying, right? Those are the haves. Who are we talking about stifling here? Who is protecting Jean-Georges and Michel Bra? I understand people are, are saying, they already made it. What do they need? What do they need help for? Why do they need to take royalties? Who, who's or, the loser in this? I would say this? even this. Someone should protect Michel Bra because then I know for sure a lot of media said, oh, they're the same thing. No. Bra's is way more fucking difficult to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's getting, his like recipes getting sullied because it's being compared to something else. It's a very different, it's Pepsi and Coke, but like, completely different simultaneously. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. So I want to kind of come at this from the angle of like, if the law, if with, if it were to be implemented, say you could actually like get protection the way you would for a trademark for a recipe. Yeah, and who by the, the way, hell's going to enforce this? Well, first of all, the law, as as you described it, a list of ingredients and a list of instructions. A book is just a a, a bunch of words in a specific order, right? <laughs> yes, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. It's as arbitrary as anything else. <laughs> if I make this Diet Coke. Exactly. The recipe, all the ingredients right here. That's everything. The formula is everything. (laughs) It's everything. Um, And I want to make this to scale and sell millions of units a day. Right. What's going to happen? Diet Coke is not just that list of ingredients stirred together in a cup in whatever proportion. It's it's a very specific Why are they able to trademark that? Right. But you're, you're trying to say, let's say, okay, let's, let's, let's grant that the law is out of sync for recipes. 
And let's say we revise the law such that recipes and innovations are protected by copyright law. You're asking, how do you enforce this? How do you enforce it? And who? the bigger question, which kind of speaks to Dave's concern, is that which, what lawyer is going to be motivated to do it? There's not that much money in this, right? Like, what are you going to get out of it? You know, and this is why this actually was not the Ayn Rand argument. It was to be like, if you guys establish laws, you create, um, you create this enforcement where, you know, kind of how our legal system works. The people who have money can enforce it and the people who don't can't. And if there's no money in it to be, to be won, like who gives a shit? Protecting, protecting people who don't have the resources to do so is always more complicated. Yes. Right. This is an Ayn Rand thing because she's just like, well, if you suck and you can't do it, then you should die. Like that is, <laughs> that's her shit. That's objectivist shit. Right. You know, what's extremely complicated is training law enforcement to deal with mental health crises on the street. Extremely complicated, extremely difficult to understand how to enforce this, how to approach it from a law enforcement angle, how to teach people, how to, how to protect officers while they're out there on the streets doing so. Does that mean we shouldn't try to do it? No, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to do it. And that, I, don't, I, have a look, I have a couple problems with that analogy there, right? We're talking about food for recipes and like in like some very venerable institutions where people, you know. For sure, for sure. I know it's not, it's not as noble as protecting the weakest <laughs> among our society, but I'm saying, of course it's hard. Yes. But being hard to enforce doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do and it. Then, but who are we doing it for? I'll give you an example then. Again, when we were at the lab many years ago, we were, in, in my opinion, probably the very first people in the world to ferment pistachio and to do it in the way that soy sauce and miso was made. We did it with a variety of legumes and nuts. I think we were one of the very first people to do chickpea. But the irony is, is I, I, at the same time, parallel paths, Noma is making a split piece, right? They were the first people to do it with yellow split piece. I'm sure there was somebody that did it by accident through humanity, right? Just like cronut. Somebody probably did it, but they didn't have the ability to actually organize it and sell it. We were the first producers of this. We were selling it. We called it Hozon. We had the banji as the pressing of it, as the tamari pressing of the chickpea. It was fermented chickpea. It was, I mean, chickpeas with koji. That's it. It was delicious. Long process of ferment, a lot of work. And my dream was, how do we get this to scale? We have things... It did. Is, it, there are other reasons why we didn't do it. We were just too involved with trying to make it three mission star <laughs> like pantry item. But in the next year, twenty four months, guess what? I started to see chickpea miso at the supermarket. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe that's a complete coincidence for the same reason that Rene was doing it on a parallel path, but he did it with split pea. I, in my suspicion, feel like. Hmm. I think that somebody took this idea from us. Mm -hmm. I should be able to, we were making it. We were just not making it at huge scale like they were. We should be able to protect that and sit on that until we're able to get to that level. Because mm. we did it. And I'm going to say we probably, were, we were definitely the first ones to produce it at scale. It was just at a small scale. So what do you say about that? Did you try to patent that? Like the process? You can't. <laughs> Wait, so I'm just kind of confused because like, you know, the elements of patenting, it's not, if you're alleging that it's novel, 
right? And it's inventive. You know, you got to not enough. You can actually do it. You can't. You can't. I think he should be able to. But my bigger problem is like, yeah, this is like a very unique case, right? Like, and we're talking about Dave being inventive. And he's like probably what? Like, there's a handful. You can count them on like two hands in the United States. People who can do what Dave does, you know, and his team, um, the R&D kitchen and all that stuff that they're putting out. And they're putting, obviously, significant investment into this. So they should protect protect it, right? And so that's that makes sense. I'm just saying someone at home who says, hey, I invented the chocolate chip cookie, you know, with, you know, I don't know, candy canes crushed on top of them, right? And they're going to go get, like, protection for that. And now, like, I can't get that at my, I don't know, who sells that? Williamson? I don't know. But um, wherever, right? So, you know, it's it's just like, it's to- it's going to be totally ridiculous if we if we actually transition into this is my my, my thinking, and it's just going to be hard to enforce, and it's going to pack the courts obviously with a bunch of BS I think. And so, what is your cutoff? What's your standard of like? Is this like in, in terms of being able to follow this? Right? right, we're we're headed to a place where I think everything is going to be monitored. Right, data like whether it's. Let me, let me back up. If I'm selling a drink that I know you can put in the program in the, uh, in the computer terminal, POS system, that this drink uses fat washing technique. We talked about this with Dave Arnold. That should just like hold on to, you know, just, just take a penny or two and give it back to the founders of that idea. I'm like, why couldn't you? Because you're settling accounts anyway at the end of the month. It would be easy enough because everything's electronic anyway. Maybe not so much on a cash business. But I don't see why. Yes, there would be a extra work involved. But if extra work involved is, allows people to have more income, I'm all fucking for it. Mm-hmm. I think what you know is arguing. So interestingly, you know, after we did that... uh Dave Arnold episode about fat washing and, and various buzzwords in, in cooking, which is basically how we got here. Josh Skeens texted me and said, I fucking invented embered cooking. I invented that. That's me. Fuck you guys. That's me. Um, here, I'm, I'm using this as a real example. I, I, I think that... Um, <laughs> For those that don't understand, he, I understand what he's saying. Josh is, Josh, Josh is in, incredibly talented and, and truly innovative when it came to, especially to uh, fire, open fire cooking in, in America. Um, but, you know, you giggle because for, for the same reason you're bringing up as a, as a counter argument. How do you prove that? And what, what entity is equipped or motivated to protect it? Well, I'll tell, I'll give you a better example than Josh and the Ember Cooking. I, I know of a restaurant that has done an extreme, and not, and I want to take away from this restaurant because to execute the ideas that they're doing is still takes crazy. You got to be one of the very best, but they fucking stole di- every fucking dish that Josh ever made. Mm-hmm. Like literally, mm-hmm. it angered me so much. They've profited greatly because I think their jump into where they're at right now was off Josh Skeen's back mm-hmm. for fucking real. Yeah. I still would like to eat at this restaurant. 
But for those that know, it's the worst one of the, everybody knows the restaurant I'm talking about if you're in the industry to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are you going to do? Because to where they're located, nobody knows about this restaurant in San Francisco that was Saison. I mean, I have a severe problem where someone's life's work gets lifted like that. Mm-hmm. And no one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And here's the fucking thing. None of the goddamn journalists gave a shit because they didn't even know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what? this this also makes me think about when we talk about the question of innovation and this stifling innovation. <laughs> people like Josh have become incredibly sensitive to this. Like, Josh, Dave's not alone in this. Mm-hmm. And I think there's more than a handful of people who this affects. The people who are the most inventive and innovative and and pushing the envelope are not motivated to share ideas for this exact reason, right? Or stop creating in, in all or together. Or stop creating altogether. I think that some of the the ice creams and, and desserts that Josh was doing at Angler when he was there were incredible. You try to ask him just like, I'm not even a chef. I'm just asking like, hey, how do you do this? They just lock up, right? If there were a way for him to protect the idea, the IP, the method, whatever it is to receive credit or compensation, wouldn't it be more interesting then to say, hey, you know what? Actually, I actually don't care that much about the money. If you're a little restaurant out there, you want to know how to do it, just it has to be attributed, run with it. And maybe you're going to come up with a different flavor. Maybe you're going to advance what I did. Maybe you're going to take something, you're going to see something in my my code and improve upon it, Right. That to me is, is, you know, maybe it's a little pie in the sky. Maybe it's a little, you know, a little naive. But it's not just about profit to me. It is about this fear and this anger at having your life's work stolen, like Dave is saying, is shutting people off. And you don't want to share anymore. You know, this happens all the time. And you see the the infighting between people. And it's, it's very real. I'm thinking about... There's so many other stories about this stuff. You know, like I, I think that uh, Roy, who makes Panettone, he attributes where exactly where he got his technique, right? At every step, he's going to say, I didn't invent this. I didn't invent Panettone, nor did I invent this methodology. Like I got it from here and here and here. You will not believe the number of people who think they can just get him to come pay for a flight or something and just learn how to make Panettone so they can sell it themselves. Like you wouldn't believe how many people think they can do this type of thing. So it's, it's, I, I I fully sympathize with what uh, Chang's point of view on this is. I I don't disagree that the enforcement is tricky. I think it's I think it's hard for sure. There's uh, got to be a way to protect. I mean, it bothers me to some degree when I read or I hear people that say, "No, keep it free." You know what's funny is <laughs> the solution might be or a half measure solution here. I'm thinking about science and medicine. When you're when you're uh, I have a friend who who was trying to prove the existence of the cosmic microwave background, the 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 thing in the far ends of the universe that proves the Big Bang is real. This is one of like the big pursuits of astrophysicists and scientists. Everyone is trying to prove the Big Bang was real by detecting the cosmic microwave background. And there are all these different methods people are trying to get there. Imagine that as the cronut, 
<laughs> the CMB is the cronut. Somebody thought, let's fly a giant balloon into space so we can take photos of this thing. Somebody else used lasers. Somebody else used this and this and this. Everyone's trying to chase this thing. If you're the first person to do it, you publish in a journal and you say, look at this. I did this. Here it is. It's in a journal. That to me, whether it's a scientific discovery or it's a medical advance is the first step. I'm saying this like an insane person is the last person on this planet who should be or who should be talking about getting back into the journal publishing business. But honestly, some forum to publish ideas, because right now what you chefs are all doing, if Josh, as big of a chef as he is, as big as any of you guys are, you put a new dish, a new idea on the menu. It's the equivalent of me saying, hey, I played my guitar. I played this song I wrote on the side of the road. Shouldn't I be able to protect this? Because you just put it out there. I'll give you another example, you know. Or to anybody that's taking the position that there should be no trademarks at all and keep the status quo. If in um, another town in America, some um, some chef starts or restaurant group starts making, uh, starts buying the same flour that Chris Bianco buys, starts getting the same Sicilian pistachios or Santa Barbara pistachios, starts making the Rosa pizza, right? That is now extremely famous, Netflix, et cetera but now starts to sell it to the masses. Now they're able to put it in your grocery store aisle. They're able to, it's like the number one selling thing in the world, but just theoretically. Why? Why should that, and Chris gets fucked? What are they going to call it? They can't call it pizzeria. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What if, what if, what if tomorrow you go to the, they call it the Blanco. Who cares? Right. You know, the Rosario, whatever it is. Blanco will get you taken to court. But like, (laughs) So, I just so we're clear, I do agree that these chefs do suffer from this problem, and it, it's it's legitimate. I am saying, though, that like it helps such a small group of people. <laughs> like it's a really small group of people who are actually innovating, and you know this as well, Chris. We we eat around and we eat the stuff that's just clowned off, you know, versions of this all the time, and so um, it just it's just it it's like a really narrow solve for a problem. Argue, like argue the case that this is not a high-class problem. Yeah, this is a very first world problem. No, we live in a first world. <laughs> but like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's also guess like, what? Guess what? All of this trickles down. <laughs> okay, anyway, right, I, I want to hear the real argument. Well, trickle-down economics may not work in real life, but I think it does work in culture. And I can't model out and give you some pro forma bullshit about what the hell is going to happen if this does happen. But I do know that we need to have some protections. And yeah, it's a first world problem. Anyone that talks about food or writes about food or does anything like this, you're already in the business of first getting your head lopped off in another time and era. Like who gives a shit ultimately, sure. right? Right. It's superfluous. But it's like a very narrow like salt. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, there's there's not a lot of Dave Chang's and Wiley Dufresne's out there. You know I, mean? like, I, I, I don't think it's about the chef per se. It's about yeah. anybody that has a great idea. Uh-huh. They should be able to protect it. I'm going to tell you this, though. Yes, yes. right now on its face, it looks like there's only a few Dave's and Wiley's and Josh's and, and whatnot in the world. But <laughs> I think that I think it's true that the Changs and Dufresne's and Skeens and, and, and all the innovative chefs of the world, 
you can see it. The movement is away from innovation. There are far... Like, is Wiley running WD-50 anymore? Is Josh running Saison anymore? <laughs> is, is Dave in the kitchen at Co. anymore? No. Because the, the incentive, the path of, of just innovation so that it can be dispersed in the world is going away. So what is it? It's Yes, a small problem affecting the few people we know. But to me, that the, tr- the real trickle down is every- who's next? What's the next generation? Who's the next have, creative person? You're right. Having a handful or select few restaurants create haute cuisine, haute cuisine, said haute, haute, <laughs> all these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> really hot day cuisine. If not, if I spent hot two day. weeks in France. I dated a French girl. Yeah. I, we had crepes. All of these ideas get trickled down from a handful to the masses. It always fucking happens. Sriracha used to just be for a small group of people. What happened? You got a big ass SUV factory now. (laughs) And he's not allowed to protect. David's not allowed to trademark the name Sriracha. But the recipe is able to, you know, and there's a lot of, put it this way. If you, Tasted sriracha. There's his Hui Foods sriracha, and then there's everyone else, and everyone else tastes like shit. <laughs> there are some in Thailand that are very good, I will say. In America, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that it does trickle down. And the thing is this, you know, you have sriracha-flavored potato chips, Wendy's chicken sandwiches, you name it. It's omnipresent. The reason it was able to go all the way down is because it started with a select few. Those good ideas really do percolate down, not up. So it does matter. If you want to live in a world of this homogenized same, which we're clearly in, we need to incentivize those few people to be able to come up with ideas, and not even few people, anybody, to be like, hey, this is a really good idea. The, the, the sort of this benefits only the few argument is also an argument against, and I think this is basically what Chang is saying, it's something of an argument against art, right? Art is only for the few people, the, the, the elite, you know, the museum going, the people who can pay for art. But the trickle-down effects, if you want to call it that, I don't even, I don't even think it's trickle-down. I, I don't want to see it as like this hierarchical thing. But the, the sort of the, the, the lifting of our society, driving us toward enlightenment and joy and for and deliciousness and novelty and tomorrow is sort of completely dependent upon paying more attention to discovery and innovation, right? Like this is, this is the, also it's the argument for art. It's the argument for, for science. Like my same friend who I told you about, like this astrophysics thing, I used to look at him and be like, I pay your fucking salary, dude. <laughs> like you don't have to do shit. You don't do shit. But then they come close to understanding the fucking fabric of the universe. I'm not saying that's what's happening in kitchens or anything, but I'm saying like that is the argument for me as I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, this is just the the, the few. This is just for the few. It's not. This is we're all in this thing together. And I I, you know, whether whether we can create royalties and 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 payment, like I am I don't know. I agree. I don't know. All I'm saying is let's find a way to protect some, a few, right? And they don't have to be of the select few either. It can be anybody. 
we sit on a couch right now and be like, I got a great idea. Well, you know what? Why are Twinkies and Coca-Cola, why can you again trademark that in the recipes, but you can't do anything else? And again, for anyone that says otherwise, hey, there should be no trademark or IP protection in food, you should feel the same way and be consistent about everything in culture. There's this is this is funny. There's there's actually Chang and I were walking down the hallway the other day, and I said and I can't even talk about it because I said to Chang, hey, you know, there's this there's this thing that's happening over here with with this food product. How come we never do this version of it? And Dave's first reaction was like, don't fuck. I was like, I want to talk about this on the podcast. He's like, why would you talk about it on the podcast? Like you're going to give away a really good idea. <laughs> and he's totally right. Because somebody, anybody can run away with an idea and then there's no time for us to work on something, to potentially test it out, as opposed to, hey, we want to plant our flags here. And just so you know, like we're planting our flag in this idea and we're working on it. But listen, if you work on it too, like we can, we can move toward the same goal. But like right now, we're all closed off. Because there's no protection. We have to, like, people have to protect themselves. I'm not saying it's a better system. I am, I really don't know. No one knows. But what we're doing right now doesn't work. So if we can come to that agreement, then great. So we should test out, maybe there's a better way to do this. And to say, like, well, how do you do this? It'll be too hard. Then, like, then shut the fuck up. You know, like, these are the same people that say, you know, food shouldn't be more expensive. The only companies that the only the only entities that that benefit in this world are like the the giant mega homogenizing corporation, right? You see this every day, like uh, two people on opposite sides of the world who are kind of working in the same field, kind of doing the same thing, are are just bickering over like, I don't want to share, I don't want to share, I don't want to share, I don't want to talk to you. This is my thing. This is my thing. I have to carve this out because I'm going to get it stolen. Meanwhile, Mega Corp X is just looking and saying, Oh yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. And in the end, both of the smaller entities will just fall away and never receive compensation, credit, anything for originating the idea. Like, so we're just in a that. system where the the corporate listen, this is a capitalist well, podcast, well, but, but the hey, mega corporation well, always. What's wins. crazy to me is like we're trying to introduce regulation and structure. And the people that I think are trying to say that are on the far left and super radical, uh, not even super radical, they're just very liberal. Are the ones saying like no, get I, rid of it? I think that I think you're right. I think the people who think they're representing the, the little guy who think they're representing the progressive point of view are taking up of Atlas Shrugged Fountainhead perspective. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, do not you know like no regulation, no protections. Like that is that's Ayn Rand, man. <laughs> like that's the opposite side. You're doing the opposite thing. I'm I'm really glad you kind of explain the way that like a big monolithic company will come in and just basically crowd all the competitors by doing just like an 80% approximation of the same thing and just you know screwing those over because that that addresses my concern of like hey are we helping the big guys or the little guys here you know like, so, this is all about because the two little guys are trying to move forward move forward move forward improve 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 just drive things forward the big guy just sees the big idea and says yeah I can do about 70% of that and sell it to 85x number of people. There was a group of a, a small group of chefs that were trying to do it the other way. And they would watch all the food patents that were going to lapse. And they were like, I'm fucking taking that. Fuck you. And they did some super cool shit with it. Mm -hmm. So like, that doesn't mean like anybody can do it. Right? Like, it's not the provenance of just a handful. I really don't think so. And yes, 
anybody that says that they that we shouldn't have regulations, we shouldn't have any kind of structure to protect IP, they're like, they're really taking a super conservative Republican Ayn Rand type of stance. Mm-hmm. And like, think about that, people. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you can't say no, but the reality is you sort of are. And that's okay to be inconsistent. Just admit it. Yeah, I mean, or just admit it or just take a step back and look at what you're actually I think I think your heart might be in the right place here but the 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 roll on effect of this is just to help the people you don't want to be helping you're just trying to save the the big guy here you know um and for people you know the other question I think that that crops up immediately when it comes to execution is you know we talk about you can't do you can't patent the the act of sauteing something yeah I get it I do think that there can be, but this exists across the board. You know, there is public domain. Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie is going to be in the public domain next year. Thank you to our overlords at Disney. I'm on your side on this thing. <laughs> protection, protection, protection. But this exists across all, like they can, these things can be figured out. You know, it happens, it exists in medicine. You have a patent for Viagra and then it goes generic. Like these things exist. It's just, uh, you have to, you have to. They exist because money is there. Right. And nobody's ever seen money in independent restaurants ever before, which is why there are always going to be the systemic problems and like people valuing this kind of food. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the correct answer. I'm just not going to put all my chips in and say, yes, all I'm suggesting is we're at a time and place where we should be exploring alternative ways of doing this shit because mm-hmm. the current way is not working as great as it could be. That's all. Yeah. To me, to me, it's the thing that, to me, as we've talked this out, <laughs> it's become crystal clear how the lack of protection has stifled innovation more than anything else. That's, it's become crystal clear to me that the fear that the lack of protection causes makes us all re- retreat, not me, I mean, like, makes innovative, creative chefs retreat into a, into a hole. The only way chefs used to, again, when I say the only way, for a period of time in the 90s and aughts, the only way chefs were able to sort of let their peers know what the hell was happening was an art culinaire. Right. The like quarterly cookbook where you're like, oh, these are the recipes. And I, I was honored to be in it. You put in the recipes where you're like, anyone that's thinking about it, go fuck yourself. This is mine. I mean, like I said, I shouldn't be saying this, but I think <laughs> we need an American Journal of Culinary Innovation where it is just you publish in it. You publish a rigorous study on something that includes the history, the hypothesis, the, 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 the methodology, all of the stuff, and you publish your idea. I think that that's what we need. There's enough data, there's enough things that are being recorded where you know. Like, for example, I didn't know that in 2003 that Anthony Adderis of Mugaritz, one of the great chefs of all time, figured out how to cook a onsen tamago at 140 degrees Celsius, 60 Celsius. And like almost at the same time, he was demonstrating that at Madrid Fusion. Again, a lot of these culinary fashion shows happened because you couldn't protect your idea through law. The only way you could do it was making it as public as possible so people would know to step off, right? To peacock an idea so everyone steps off. I wasn't there. No one gave a shit about me at all back then. And I was like, I came from Japan. I figured out a way to do this. And people were like, well, you're taking it from Anthony. I was like, I honestly don't even know what you're talking about. People have always said this about the pork bun for me. Physic- like, how could I have known? 
and it's still different enough. So there's ways, and I can legitimately, with evidence, factual evidence, prove that it was impossible for me to know that this Taiwanese pork bun existed. What would you do in in uh, in the reverse situation here? If you were, would you? I know that you've I know you've gone way out of your way more than any chef I know to to credit footnote cite any technique that comes from somewhere else. Would you pay royalties to another chef for a technique you used in the kitchen? I think the discussion really is twofold there. One is it's very important to me that at the very least, even if it's not monetary, they're getting the recognition, Mm -hmm. right? If you're not going to be able to fix the system, give this person the recognition they deserve for coming up with an idea. But I bet you would say, I bet I'd know your answer though. If you said, Hey, I took this technique. I learned this technique from X chef. I've figured out a incredible new way to use it and scale it. I will give a piece to this person. The reason why that cannot work right now is because people don't want to pay more money for food. Right. Sorry. It's why software and all this other stuff is so expensive. It's why it just is. If you can understand that principle I'm just talking about, it's why food's been commoditized. And if we were able to charge more money for food, you could do these things. Right. This is funny. Like tech is a good, tech is a good example because I have a lot of friends who work in tech who have, you know, ex, ex, you know, high paying jobs for very profitable companies. And I say, what the hell do you make? And it's just, it actually are, they're just tools for other companies, for the Googles and metas and whatever's of the world to use on the back end. That's what we're talking about here to some degree is, yeah, we're, we make the tool that you can make into something else, but there's more money in software. There's more protection in software. There's all these things that make it a completely different thing. So um, like, yeah, if I could charge, 30, like if, if in general, let's just go back to the fat wash cocktail. If that cocktail was $28, people might say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, guess what? probably what it should be. Mm-hmm. Then a certain fraction of that, when you start multiplying that all those cocktails, maybe that's 13, 14 bucks a week that go to the original originator of that. But then you multiply that by all the people making that. That's a fucking, this is exactly why writers are rightfully striking right now in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. They're not, if you can support that, then why don't you want to protect the IP of chefs and people that are making this? It's the same shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm serious. Like, if you're saying, like, I don't think that chefs should be able to protect their IP, then you should say nobody that's a, on strike has a valid point. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's extreme, but. Yeah. I think. Uh, they're not. They, they're asking for more pay, more specifics, et cetera, et cetera, to protect their livelihood. Well, they're also asking very specifically that the work they have done doesn't get just thrown into a hopper to, to be recycled into something new without credit to where it came from. You know, this is, this, is, this does exist everywhere. It's music, remixes, But everything. not in food. Yeah. And why? I'm going to tell you why. Because people think food should be very cheap. Or, as we hear, well, food is a necessity and nothing else is. I was like, that's the most asinine fucking logic I've ever heard. <laughs> and, you know, like, to, uh, we, should, we, should, we should wrap this up, but to that original other point you had, uh, you know, or, or the Discord was bringing up or whatever, of just sort of 
this kills the sort of like vibe, the, the lovely sharing communal vibe. I'm just going to say more as, as I have, as I've been doing this for quite a while now and looking at sort of family recipes and all the, in the, in the gentlest kind of family recipes, both in my own family. And as we talk to people in recipe club and all these things, those beautiful handwritten recipes that come off of a, you know, little three by five car that's been tattered and grease splattered. I think eight out of 10 times that came from a cookbook or came from, came from the back of a box somewhere else, man. Like that, the, the myth of the, the gentle, gentle recipe sharing is, is just a, a myth. Well, um, we're, we're going to end this podcast. Give us five stars. If you actually hated this one too, because I'm sure that if you were listening, you're like, oh, this doesn't really apply to me. I was like, it's okay. I think we got somewhere at the end here. And you got to watch it all on video. That's right. That's unfortunate for you. 